This is Church of the Resurrection in Wheaton, Illinois. So I'm going to attempt to um, graph out, to diagram my spiritual life, 60-year journey in about two minutes. So June 6, 1959, there was a momentous event in my life. I was born. Uh, exactly one year, 365 days after my older brother, Steve, which was always a source of resentment because we had to share a birthday, but I'll, well, I'll save that for another sermon. So six weeks later, I was baptized. My parents took me to a priest. I was baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I will call that B1. Then, for the next 16 years of my life, my spiritual life looked kind of like this, or so it seemed to me anyway. I didn't like church. I didn't like God. I thought Jesus was kind of cool, but I also thought he was very, very scary. So I really had nothing to do with him. And then when I was 16 years old, I had a profound encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. It happened after I had a very uh, angry fist fight with one of my friends. And I was so angry that I was just still shaking with anger um, the rest of that night. So angry that I thought I could have killed him. You know, if I would have had a weapon in my hand, I was that angry. And I realized I am a sinner. I need a savior. It hit me. And I knelt by the side of my bed and I asked Jesus to come into my life. And man, he met me there. Three years later, I decided to get baptized. I'll call this B2, although I'm going to say in a minute, it wasn't really B2. It was just really a, a reaffirmation of B1, but I'll get to there in a minute. And then the last 60 years has kind of looked like this, okay, somewhere like that. Yeah, a lot of up and downs, a lot of faith, a lot of doubt, a lot of not faith, a lot of sin. And you will see that most of my sinning was done after I, the Lord really met me. So now what am I to make of this, this B1 and this B2? Every year in our tradition, in the Anglican Church, we celebrate what's called Baptism of Our Lord Sunday. And we make a big deal about Jesus' baptism. We say that it was, it's huge, and it's huge for us today. So really, I viewed both of these baptisms, or what I thought were two baptisms, as sort of like graduating from kindergarten. You know, how often do you think, oh, remember that you graduated from kindergarten and be thankful, and it will change your life today, no matter how old you are. That has power to impact your life today. We don't do that. So that's what I thought about my baptism, especially B1. So why do we make such a big deal about baptism every year, or at least once a year? And then special Sundays, we also baptize. I mean, in case you didn't notice, we had a major crisis in our country. And of course you didn't notice, there's other countries on this planet who are going through crises going through struggles, going through trauma, other places on the earth. 
Your life may feel like it's in a crisis. Maybe your marriage is in a crisis. Maybe you have a child that's in a crisis. Maybe your health is in a crisis. You think, why do we spend at least one Sunday every year, all we do is focus on the baptism of Jesus? And here's the reason. Because it has power. It is a power. It is like a new creation started that brings power into our life, not just when Jesus was baptized, not just when we were baptized, but it power into our life today. Our good friend, Canon Stephen Godier, he likes to say that our baptism is not like a barrel of water. Just think of a barrel of water. It's just sitting there. It's just, it's not moving. It's not being refreshed and it's got a cap on it. It's not doing anything. Our baptism is not like a barrel of water. It's like a living spring shooting up within our lives. And it started with Jesus's baptism and our baptism is connected with Jesus's baptism. And the church says, remember your baptism, not just intellectually, but with your whole heart, with your whole life. Remember your baptism and be thankful. Look at our gospel reading. I want to start here. I want to start with the baptism of Jesus because our baptism flows out of that. So notice verse 10. It says, when Jesus came, he was, he was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. Now, that, those two words there, tore open, is very intentional. Those words are, are sending a message because this is part of a bigger story. This is part of the Jewish story. This is part of the Old Testament story, the Hebrew Bible. And I, I want us to see here that the, the Bible is not just random stories put together or stitched together. It's telling the story. It has an overarching narrative arc. So if you back up, and you don't, you don't have to do this because I'm just going to read one verse, but you back up to Isaiah 64.1. The people of God are going through a really hard time. They're in exile. They're suffering. Their, their life has been disoriented and disrupted. And the prophet Isaiah says, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains might quake at your presence. He's praying, Lord, you know, just like you showed power when you delivered us from slavery in Exodus, would you do that again, God? We need another Exodus deliverance kind of thing here. Would you do that for us? And so the very first page of the, the Gospel of Mark, what does Mark tell us? The heavens were torn open. That prayer that Isaiah, Isaiah prayed, it is happening. It's happening in history. Right now, something new is being started as Jesus comes up of the baptismal waters. There's power there. There's a new creation there. There's a new kind of exodus there. Now, in and through the baptism of Jesus. And here's the thing. That just didn't happen 2,000 years ago. That's also connected to our baptisms. You read the New Testament. One of the things I love about reading the Bible is that I'm always discovering new things. That just like, wow, I never saw that before. That's really cool. So one of the things I've been seeing lately is just how much our baptism means and how it's connected to the baptism of Jesus. We are immersed into Jesus. We're immersed into his life, death, and resurrection, and his baptism when we were baptized. So, for instance, that second scripture reading you heard read, notice the, the verse that says, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons and daughters of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. You've been baptized into Christ. You weren't just baptized into water. You were baptized into Christ, into a living reality. And you find this all throughout the New Testament. Again, it's not a barrel of sterile water. It's a life-giving spring. 
So this morning, I want to focus on three gifts that, that we receive, that God imparts to us, that God unleashes in us and through us, through our baptism. First of all, we receive a new identity. Secondly, we join a new family. And third, we surrender to a new Lord and King. New identity, new family, new Lord. New identity first. Look at verse 11. After Jesus is baptized, the Spirit descends on him like a dove, an image of a, of a new creation. And then verse 11, a voice came from heaven. It's the voice of God the Father saying, you are my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. That actually fuses together, as I said before, this is a continuation of the Jewish story, the Old Testament story. It fuses together two verses from the Old Testament, that declaration. And the word beloved in the original language was a word for deep, tender affection. I love you. I feel affection for you. I want to be with you. Not just I like you, but I love you. Now notice, when Jesus gets baptized, it's very important. When he gets baptized in this story, what has he done? Nothing that we know of. No miracles. No demons cast out. No amazing teachings. No brilliant deeds. No heroism. So the first thing God the Father says, be loved. Receive love. Before you do anything, before you change the world, before you do all these amazing things, before you die for the sins of the world, be loved. Now remember I said the New Testament teaches that we've been immersed in his baptism. So that's the same words that God the Father speaks over us in our baptism. Be loved. Baptism is not something you do for God. It's something God does for you and in you. God spoke something over and into your life at your baptism. I have a friend that says, I was baptized, I didn't hear anything. And I said, well, God spoke into your life and he's still speaking into your life. You are my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Now in our tradition, we baptize infants and maybe you're not used to that. And let me just say, if you're not used to that, I'm, I'm gonna explain a little bit why we do that but I'm also going to say, you know, we, we do feel, I feel really strongly about this. It took me a long time to come to this conviction. I feel really strongly about it. But we also feel as Anglicans that we, we respect our brothers and sisters who practice believer's baptism. We don't feel like they're substandard Christians. And yet we do believe there's reasons why we do it this way. So you say, baptize, uh, you know, babies, they, uh, they're weak, they're dependent, they're powerless. Exactly. And that's how anybody comes to faith in Jesus. Paul says in Romans chapter 5, he says, God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, while we were helpless, while we were weak, Christ died for us. And you say, well, you need faith. And I say, yes, you're right. That's what Paul said in Galatians. We're justified by faith. It's not by works of the law. We believe the same thing as Anglicans, except we also believe that it's the parents who have faith, as it was in the Old Testament covenant as well. The parents, the community, until the children can decide on their confirmation to be baptized. 
which now I think of B2 as really was much more of a reaffirmation of the vows I took at B1, which I thought meant nothing to me, which I realize now there was something. That spring started right here. Even in these years when I would thought nothing was going on, God was drawing me to himself. I didn't just decide to follow Jesus. He was drawing me, and I believe through this, be one, baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And you might say, well, babies don't know anything about Jesus. And I would say, are you sure about that? You really sure? Have you ever seen a newborn baby looking into her mother's eyes? You ever seen that? I watched my baby, Wells, my grandson, not my baby, my grandson, Wells, looking into my daughter's eyes. Wells knows Bonnie, my daughter. He may not know a lot of facts about her, but he knows his mother. In the same way, we believe babies can know Jesus. Maybe not with a rational brain, but in their spirits. Let me just say, this new identity, I, I intentionally put this one first, because this is what will drive Jesus' mission and ministry in the world. And unless we get this straight and clear, we will go through life really jumbled, really anxious, trying to prove ourselves, trying to prove how good we are, trying to prove what amazing faith we have, trying to prove we're on the right side of issues, trying to prove we're posting the right things. We live in such an anxious culture, so much anxiety. Doesn't just tear you apart some days? Wouldn't you like to just step into that zone where you begin each day and each life, no matter what your faith looks like, whether it's up or down, God speaks over you, you are my beloved son, you are my beloved daughter with whom I am well pleased. In your baptism, he spoke that in you, and he continues to speak it into you. That's your new identity. You also get a new family. Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3 talks about being baptized into Jesus. And what happens when we are baptized into Jesus? Verse 28. For as many of you as baptized into Christ have put on Christ, and then Paul makes this sociological statement, this radical reorientation of the social makeup of the world in the church. For, as, for there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. It doesn't mean that, that men stop being men and women stop being women or Jews stop being Jews or Greeks stop being Greeks, but it means now you are one. You're on the same level. It's hard to imagine for us how much Jews and Greeks did not get along how much they did not trust each other, how much they held each other in suspicion. Slaves and free, a rigid social hierarchy when Paul was writing this letter. Slaves are down here, free people are up here, and there's no mixing of the two. And to see what happens in baptism, whoop, it's radical. 
Nobody had ever seen this before. Historians still say today, whether the, even atheist theologians will say, or atheists, not atheist theologians, but atheist philosophers will say, something radical happened in the church. The world had never seen that before. Our first loyalty given to us in our baptism is not to a racial group. It's not to a political party. It's not to a social class. It's not to a country. It's to Jesus and his church, which has always been global and diverse and cutting across socioeconomic strata and people groups and languages. In baptism, you join that family. Let me give you a pop quiz. Quick quiz, multiple choice. Answer A, who is more part of your forever family? Here's A, your next door neighbor. You went to college. You shop at the same stores. You watch the same shows on Netflix. You wear the same brand of clothing. You, you, um, you have so much in common. You eat at the same restaurants. But your neighbor's not a follower of Jesus. Really nice person. You really like the person a lot. But he's not a follower of Jesus yet. That's A. B. Let's say a 35-year-old Latino woman who attends our church plant, City of Light. And this is a fictitious person, but kind of a combination of people from City of Light. She was just baptized. She's a re refugee from El Salvador. She just came to faith in Jesus. She was baptized. She barely speaks English. She's a single mom. She cleans office buildings for a living. Who is more a part of your forever family? It's easy. It's B. Doesn't mean you don't love A. Doesn't mean you don't enjoy A's presence, but your family is B. Ask yourself, do my prayers reflect that? Do my, does my giving reflect that? Do my politics reflect that? I don't know what that would mean, but does it reflect that? Do I think about that? Does maybe for some of you where you live reflect that? Not for everybody, but for some people? When you are baptized, you join a new family that is cross-cultural, across social economic lines, across language groups. You also come under a new Lord and a new King. The earliest Christian creed was really simple. All you had to remember was three words and say it from your heart. And the Apostle Paul said, you can't say these words from your heart unless the Holy Spirit has done a major work in your life. And those three words are, Jesus is Lord. When you're baptized, you come under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. What did Paul say in Galatians chapter 3, verse 27? He said, you have put on, in your baptism, you put on Christ. You've put him on. You're wearing him like a set of clothing. You've taken off. I take off my old, smelly, dirty, matte clothing, and I put on Jesus' clothing. I am now under his influence. I'm under his leadership. That can cost you. That can be costly. But we say Jesus is Lord, that is our first allegiance. That's going to be the most bedrock thing in my life, the bedrock allegiance in my life that comes before and overarches any other commitment 
any other allegiance, that can get you into trouble. Around the world today, that can get you into lots of trouble. I want us to zoom out and get a little bit of a global perspective here. We have many friends in Nigeria, and uh, Bishop Stewart is really good friends with Archbishop Ben Kawashi, who's one of our dear brothers in Christ. In Northeast Nigeria, in the last five years, 79 Christian small villages filled with Christian farmers and believers have been attacked by extremist groups. That's just in one state in Nigeria. On January 8th, 2020, a gang raided a local seminary and kidnapped four young male students, four students studying for the priesthood. They took them, they kidnapped them, they brought three of them back. One of them, a young man named Michael Nadi, they found murdered and thrown in a ditch in the roadside. When they asked one of the gang members, why did you kill him? What's he ever done to you? Here's what he said, and I quote, he did not allow me any peace. He just kept preaching to me his gospel. I decided to send him to an early grave. I think, what a tragic story. And yet his twin brother, Michael's twin brother, the man who was murdered, his twin brother Raphael said in that same article, he said, Michael was so much committed and loved the things of God, my consolation is that he did not die in vain, but rather he died in service to our Lord Jesus. I read that story, and it's just like, oh, what a dagger to the heart. And yet, what a commitment. He died not for being obnoxious. He died not for being, um, not for being hateful. He died because he just kept loving this guy and kept sharing the gospel with him. Why would you do that? Why would anybody in their right mind do that? It's only because you're convinced or convinced enough that Jesus is Lord. And not just Lord, but a particular kind of Lord like the world has never seen. The historian Gerald Sitzer, he said, and I quote, no one in the ancient world had ever encountered the likes of Jesus before. Rome had no categories for him. Jesus Christ summoned his followers to a new way of life because he was first and foremost the way to this new way of life. He was unlike anything that they'd ever seen in the Roman gods. He's unlike anything they'd ever seen in the Roman emperors who ruled with power and privilege and pomp and their riches. Jesus was, as the New Testament says, he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. He became vulnerable, he became woundable, and he became incarnate of the Virgin Mary, as we say in our creed, to bear the sins of the world. And in our baptism, as we live out our Baptist vows, we, we put ourselves under Jesus Christ, no matter what it may cost us. That's a commitment a baptized believer makes. You know, let me just say, it's not always like dramatic, like giving up your life. Sometimes it might be for some people and some Christians around the world, and maybe for some of us, who knows? But sometimes it's smaller sacrifices that we make. And let me just share a real short story, and it's a word of affirmation for Church of the Resurrection. I want to give you a very powerful word of affirmation. So we set out in our Advent gift, we set out to, to bless refugees and asylum seekers. 
in this, in this community. We set out to bless a Christian organization that works to resettle refugees. We didn't make a political statement. We just felt it was a biblical statement to just take care of the foreigners in our midst. And you know what you did, Church of the Resurrection? You made it a biblical issue. You did not turn it into a partisan political issue. You just took the high road and you said, we want to give. And we kept setting caps. We kept setting caps on like, you can only give this much and then they, it'll, they'll shut down. The website will shut down. And you kept breaking through those caps. So I was getting calls from people complaining, saying, I'm really frustrated. I'm trying to give a gift and I can't give. It says it's capped. That was, we like those complaints. Those are really fun complaints to handle. <laughs> we loved it. But that just showed the spirit in which you approach this Advent gift. And, and I just, it just blessed me so much. Remember your baptism and be thankful. You receive a new identity. You join a new family. You live under a new Lord. You know, you, you may just walk by this every time you walk in, but and I, sometimes I do too, but we have this big, huge thing right in the middle back there, our baptismal font. You can hardly miss it. And you know what? That is not an accident that we put it there. It was not like, I don't know where else to put it. Let's just put it there. It's very intentional because we want to walk in and say, ah, I've been baptized. I've been marked as Christ's own forever. I belong to him. So throughout this week, you may just want to stop, get off social media, take a deep breath, put your hand on your heart and say, I belong to Jesus. I've been marked as Christ's own forever. There is a spring of living water flowing up within me. Your faith might be weak. It might be faltering. It might be inconsistent. You might be faithful one minute, unfaithful the next. But he is faithful. He's consistent. You might sin and fall flat on your face, but you've been marked as Christ's own forever. You might want to say, I don't, I don't want to be part of that family. I just want just my own little people just like me. And then you hear the Lord like, ah, no, I got something bigger and better for you. Baptism doesn't quench faith. It releases faith. It says, even when I was helpless, even when I didn't know enough, even when I couldn't love enough, someone took vows on my behalf, or I renewed my baptismal vows, or later in life, I came to faith as a, for the first time, unbaptized as an adult, and I was baptized. And God unleashed something within me. As Canon Stevens said, it's not a barrel of stale water. It's a spring of living water. And you have your whole life to learn how to live from that spring, take from that spring, drink from that spring. Remember your baptism and be thankful. You have been marked as Christ's own forever. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. Our vision at Church of the Resurrection is to equip everyone for transformation. As part of that vision, we love to share dynamic teaching, original music, and stories of transformation. 
For more of what you heard today, check out the rest of our podcast. To learn more about our ministry, visit churchres.org.